0: You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, it it really is an honor to stand before you, and and I'm always grateful uh, for the privilege to be able to speak to you from the Word of God. And uh, this morning, I believe that uh, we are embarking on a message that is so crucial to every human being on this planet when we talk about forgiveness. And I, I just wanted to share a couple of things to make you aware of. Uh, this month, uh, we are invited and participating at Family Camp at Green Lake. It's actually occurring uh, June 22nd through the 26th. And my former formal pastor, former pastor, Bobby Yandian, will be one of the speakers, along with Dr. Mark Barkley. And so uh, Pastor Yandian is from Tulsa. He recently resigned his church, turned it over to his son, and now is traveling. And so it will be great to be able to sit under his teaching once again. But uh, if you are interested, you can even just come by for an evening service. But there's morning and evening sessions throughout the week. Uh, If you need information, the best is to talk to Pastor Deb. My wife, she'll be at the uh, Welcome Center after service and give you more details if you're interested in attending that. Uh, Turning points, Uh, Dr. Colton did a great job talking about that during the announcements this morning, but really, I want to put a little plug in to encourage everyone to become involved in a turning point. If you haven't picked up this information sheet, this will tell you actually what's happening in the form of turning points, and really turning points are small groups where we can connect uh, as believers, where we can connect and build relationships as we just build community together, because uh, refuge life as, as a church isn't just coming here Sunday mornings, but it's involvement in each other's lives throughout the week, and there's different ways we can do that. So we encourage you to do that, whether it's uh, on the list here, there's intercessory prayer. That's on Tuesday night. If you have personal prayer needs, you want to come and join your faith with us as a body of believers to pray, uh, that's a place to be. We have women D groups. A D group is a discipleship group, and we have men's D groups. That's where we can come and really find out what it means to be a disciple and how can we make disciples. Uh, There's another new one that we're starting, which I think is really great. It's called the Bible Study Hall Discussion. And this will be kind of a QA. and a Maybe you're reading something in the Bible, and you come across something. You say, this doesn't make sense. Well, you can come to this small group, and we'll discuss that. We'll talk about that. And uh, Tim Kleiner, he's a Rhema Bible Training Center graduate, Rhema Bible College. He'll be there with myself, and we'll maybe help guide you through some of those difficult questions or things that you've seen in the scripture. Uh, there's also the Battlefield of the Mind, which is, uh, seems to be an ongoing, a small group, because just popular by demand sort of thing. Uh, a great opportunity for you to understand the importance of dealing with this mind. And because we have some mental issues, it's mainly our thoughts that take us in the wrong direction often. And so this really, I believe, would be a great place just to get a good foundation in the Word of God to understand how to get your thoughts in line with the Word of God. And there's other ones. There's a a men's Bible study that meets every Saturday morning. A great opportunity for you men to come together, and uh, we encourage that. And then th- there's others. There's many, so I'm not going to take any more time. But I do want to encourage you to connect. Uh, earlier this year, we discontinued a midweek service with the intent to establish small groups for us to connect as a body. All right. Well, one other thing I just wanted to mention. I want to give a big thank you for those that have been helping with the carpet renovation project at the training center, Stevens Point Christian Academy back here. We've had people uh, pulling up carpet, moving stuff out of rooms uh, to prepare the rooms so the carpet installers could come. And uh, the actually, it's complete. And maybe Heidi could unlock the school if you want to walk over there and take a look at the finished project. There's still things kind of, often rooms, because when you re-carpet a whole building, I don't even know there's a lot of stuff to move, so you move stuff from one room to another, then you carpet that, and so we had a lot of volunteers working a lot of hours this past week, so I just want to say thank you for your service and, and helping us in, in that effort, and we're very blessed because a couple of years ago we had an estimate to replace the carpet, and it was like 24000 in that price range. We were able to do that as well as repainting the classrooms for about $13,000, so less than half. Because the carpet we we got, we got a wholesale carpet that was even discounted more. So uh, we have high-quality carpet at the right price. And then the carpet installers, uh, we met briefly yesterday as they were wrapping things up, and and he gave us a 20% discount on his normal charge for installation. And God just moved on his heart to do that. He didn't have to do that. He carpeted the office rooms at no charge. So we've been blessed. You know, you've heard me say, when everyone does their part, every need is met. And and so we just want to present this opportunity. If, if you want to be a blessing to help with that, uh, that would be great um, so that we can uh, pay for it. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. Well, You ready for some humor? Just a little humor this morning? I I don't know. Maybe I should skip this part. Uh, When everyone's coming your way, you might just be in the wrong lane. Have you ever driven the wrong way on the one-way street? That's a pretty scary thing to do because everything's coming your way. uh, You just might need to turn around real quick. But uh, I have to tell you a little story about this little girl that, had noticed uh, that there were a couple of white hairs uh, coming out of her mom's brunette hairdo. And, and she noticed that She says, Mommy, why do you have these white hairs, these a few white hairs uh, coming out of your head? And she said, you know, those white hairs are there because every time you make me cry, every time you're disobedient, I get one of those white hairs. She paused for a moment. And she thought, is, is this what kids do to their parents? I said, Yeah, that's what little girls do to their mommies. And she said, Oh, I feel so sorry for Grandma. <laughs> yeah, Mommy, you must not have been very good. <laughs> All right, yeah. Well, uh, we have to make this announcement. Daniel Amanda arrived. In Florida, at their new home, at 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So, uh, they texted us and let us know that they arrived. And so, we certainly are going to miss them, but uh, we're thankful for the opportunity God's given them as they start serving at a church at uh, Bayside Community Church, a church of 10,000 members, where Daniel will be the media director. So, it's very, very exciting for him, and and so it gives us another opportunity to visit Florida. So there's some benefits in all that, okay? All right. Well, last week we began a brand new series entitled Origins. And each week throughout the summer we're taking a different core value of refuge, and we're going to talk about that. Because a core value is important when we understand the makeup of an organization in this case, the makeup of a church and and what we really value as a body of believers. And we understand that uh, refuge is is a a significant place, I believe, that God's established in our community. For years, we've had the name Good News Fellowship Church. In January of this year, we relaunched with a new name, and refuge may mean different things to different people, but throughout Scripture you see this word mentioned and brought up. And we see in second Samuel, I'll share this passage briefly with you. In chapter 22 verses 32 and 33, it says, "For God, for who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God?" This God is my strong refuge and has made my way blameless. In the day we're living, people need a refuge. And we understand that God is our refuge. But as a church body, this place is a refuge for people. It's a place for people that come, that are hurting, that need to connect, need to discover their purpose, need to find their place in life, so to speak. And so we're excited about this restart, this new beginning, this relaunch. And with this, there's core values that we've sought the Lord about and establishing these core values that help define us as a church body. And we understand with origins, an origin is the point or the place where something begins. It's the source or cause of something. And so refuge is a restart with a clear focus, with a fresh vision, with the same people making room for more. But yet it's a new beginning. And and so we're excited about this because it's something that didn't originate with me. It's something that God brought to the table for us to embrace as a people. Our vision at Refuge is we believe that all people matter to God. This is a place where we grow finding authentic hope, purpose, and love through Jesus. Our mission is we are a place that welcomes all people, equipping them to grow in faith through God's word. We create engaging environments where people will discover their purpose, resulting in a life-changing encounter with Jesus. We take his message of love to this community and beyond. We want to reach the world for Jesus, and that's really our mission. Our core values can help people know what's right from wrong. They help an organization to determine if they're on the right track or the right path in fulfilling and reaching their goals or reaching their mission. Core values are principles that actually guide an organization. In fact, it's it's something that affects their conduct, their behavior, and actions, as well as an organization's relationship with its members within, and then those outside the organization. And, and you'll find that every successful company today has a clear set of defined core values. And it's, it's one thing to have a core value, but then it's living by them and practicing them. And here at Refuge, our core values are based on the principles of the Word of God, the Bible. Now, last week, First Core Value, we looked at we are a people who cannot be broken. And we encourage you, if you were not able to be here, to catch that online. And uh, I believe that uh, you will be blessed by the ministry of the Word. And as, again, I want to speak this word over you, as I look at you as a people, you are faith champions. And God's going to use you to bring awakening this generation. He's going to use you to bring the love of Jesus to those that have not encountered him. Can you say amen? When you say amen, you simply say, I agree with you, okay? We want you to turn to our key scripture for this morning. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. And as we begin to embark on the core value we're talking about today, a family that always forgives. We need to come to a clear understanding of what forgiveness is, not from a humanistic standpoint, but from God Himself to understand what true forgiveness is. Ephesians 4, verse 31, I'm going to first read this from the New King James, and then we're going to read it in the New Living of, or the New Life version. Verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now what's interesting about this passage, if you read this and look at the two words, even as... We're to forgive even as God in Christ forgave us. You might say, well, I, I don't know if I can do that. Well, you can, and we're going to find out how you can. Reading this in the New Life Version, in verse 31, it says, put out of your life all these things, bad feelings about other people. Have you ever had bad feelings about other people? I raise my hand. You you don't have to raise your hands, but I've had bad feelings about other people. I'll admit it. Okay? Anger. I've had anger. Tempo. I've had temper. Loud talk. I've had that too. And I'm the preacher. Oh, boy. I'm in trouble. Bad talk, which hurts other people. I'm even guilty of that. I'm afraid to say. And bad feelings which hurt other people. I'm guilty of all of the above. But verse 32, we see the charge from the word of God. You must be kind to each other. You must be kind to each other. My kids have heard me in our home more than once say, be kind one to another. Whenever something breaks out, have you ever had an outbreak in your home? I'm not saying outbreak of measles. I'm saying an outbreak of strife or Fights or those kind of things, arguments. Be kind one to another. That's simple instruction. Just be kind, please. Okay. I'm going to discipline you if you don't, gang. Think of the other person. Forgive other people just as God forgave you because of Christ's death on the cross. Let's take a moment and pray. Holy Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to share your word with these people. I pray that you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to understand and comprehend truth that can make a difference in our life. Father, I pray for an encounter here today among these people so that they will experience your love and forgiveness at a whole other level. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, The Greek word for forgiveness is aphiemi. It's spelled A-P-H-I-E-M-I. Now, it actually means, the primary meaning of this word is to send forth, to send away. In other words, to get rid of it. (coughs) It denotes to remit or release debts. In fact, it's a cancellation of any form of debt, including sin. Uh, In in fact, it's some obligation that is is upon you. It's it's to release or to forgive that. Uh, Webster 1828 Dictionary defines forgive as to pardon, to remit as an offense or a debt, to overlook an offense, and to treat the offender as not guilty. Forgiveness is the act of forgiving, and I like the word, if you break it up, it's, it's a compound word, forgiving. Uh, if you have unforgiveness towards someone, it paralyzes you from being able to give to that person. You can't even give them a smile, so forgiveness is forgiving, It's so that you can give to that person who's wronged you, that's offended you, that's insulted you so that you can give into their life again. So unforgiveness stops your ability to give to someone else who has wronged you. Now, forgiveness is a concept that Jesus himself emphasized in his earthly ministry and demonstrated through his life and especially through his death. Because even from the cross, and I'll share that verse a little later, He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They were insulting him. They were cursing him. They were mocking him. But yet from the cross, while he was dying, he released forgiveness in the time of his death, releasing those who murdered him and conspired against him. Now, Jesus commanded us to love as he loves and to forgive as he forgives. Now, you might say that's impossible because I'm not Jesus, I'm not God. How can I love as he loves? How can I forgive as he forgives? We see in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus gives a new commandment. And this is the commandment that we must live by. In fact, you know, if you live by the commandment Jesus gave, it really covers the 10 in the Old Testament. And let's look at it here and 1 John 13, 34, and 35 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, see, this is the key to knowing if you're a true disciple of Jesus, if you have love for each other. Now, the sad thing is, so many churches, there's, there's all these things going on because of the frailty of of human humanness. We get in these skirmishes, these arguments, because we haven't observed this commandment. Now, you need to understand that when Jesus gives a commandment, with that commandment comes the ability, the empowerment, to fulfill what he just told you to do. When Jesus told Peter to come, he was able to walk on water, When Jesus was walking on water, he said, if it's you, Jesus, command me to come. And he did. And so within that commandment gave Peter the ability to walk on water, which was humanly impossible, scientifically impossible, breaking even the laws of nature. So you might say, well, I can't forgive that person. Well, you're limiting the power of God, and you have not observed the commandment to love Because you see, the greatest expression of love is to forgive. Love is best expressed when you're forgiving someone. That's where God demonstrated his love. It was through forgiving us of our sins, releasing us of what we did to offend God. And see, love and forgiveness, they work hand in hand. Uh, Write this down if you're taking notes. You cannot love without forgiving, and you cannot forgive without loving. The love of God gives us the capacity and the ability to forgive. The scripture tells us that we've been born of love. God is love, and we're born of love. That means we've taken on his nature, and with that love nature, we now have the capacity to love as he loves, the capacity to forgive as he forgives, but yet where we fail is we haven't tapped into that capacity. And I'm going to share something personal with you and, and really what became a revelation to me in forgiving somebody. Uh, but I first want you to look at Hebrews 12.15 with me. Hebrews 12.15 says, Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now, I want to pause there for a moment. The grace of God is God's enablement empowering you to do what you need to do and what you're required to do according to his word. And so if we are falling short of the grace of God, it's because we haven't allowed the love of God to have its rightful place in our lives. Notice it says, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many be defiled. See, there's this root of bitterness that wants to snare you, that wants to entangle you. And bitterness is a result of an offense where somebody's wronged you and you're upset with them, you're offended with them. And so then bitterness begins to set its root in you. And it will defile you. It will mess you up big time. And we understand that. Now, unforgiveness, and the Lord showed me this a number of years ago, is a container that holds the hurt inside. Once you forgive, it it literally shatters that container and that hurt can no longer stay in your life. It begins to dissipate and then healing comes. See, God fills the void when you release the offense. Uh, the personal story where I learned the power of forgiveness, it's Luke 17.1. I, I don't have a slide for this. It says, it's inevitable. Offenses will come. I don't care. You're going to be offended by somebody, somewhere, sometime, someplace. Or you are going to cause offense somewhere, sometime to someone in some place. See, and, and somebody one time, I I. I was speaking with them at the door on the way out of church, and, and, and they were a, a visitor. They were actually another, another minister, and, and, and I said something, and I said, oh, I didn't mean to offend you. I just said something kind of joking, but I thought, hey, they could take this wrong. And they said something to me that I'll never forget. They said, Pastor Matt, if you offend me, then I have a problem. And I thought, oh, Yeah. Because, see, we take offense. And once we take offense, that becomes an issue that we have to deal with. Because we've taken offense to what somebody did, to what somebody said, to injury they brought in our life. How could they have done that? We've taken that offense. And we shouldn't take offense. But Jesus said it's inevitable they will come. And they cause us to stumble. If you read in um, Luke 17, it talks about, Stumbling, being a stumbling block. An offense causes a person to stumble. When you stumble, what happens? You trip up, you fall, and you get injured a lot of times. So I'm going to tell you a story. I briefly mentioned this, and some people said, I I didn't know this Johnny Hernandez story, but I'm going to tell you about my encounter with Johnny Hernandez. At the time, I was 19 years old. I worked at Khan Chemical, a mobile home factory in Mountain Home, Idaho. I love the state of Idaho. I probably, uh, in my time there, two and a half years there, it's much bigger than the state of Wisconsin. I traveled throughout that state to state parks. I knew more about Idaho than Wisconsin, so coming back here, I said, I better find out about my own state and visit some of these places around here because I basically resided in Portage County and that's where I stayed. We'd go to Marshfield occasionally, maybe, that's about it growing up. I didn't, we didn't go far. Milwaukee, because that's where my mom was from. And uh, that was the day that we had a, a train that would go to Milwaukee. We could go there by train. Wasn't that nice, Mom? I left right from Junction City, which is just down the road. And I was raised just a little bit north of Junction City. Mom and Dad are here. We were farmers and um, milking cows, cleaning calf pens, and lots of fun things on the farm. Uh, raising pigs, chickens, cats, and dogs, and you name it, we had it. Anyway, back to Johnny Hernandez. <laughs> so, I, here as a young man, you know, I was, you know, just a real hard worker. And before long, I was promoted to be the uh, lead man over the final finish department. And so, I had eight people working directly under me. And, and so, uh, that position, you know, gave me, you know, a little more responsibility Uh, and really preparing me for ministry as I look back at it. And uh, there was a foreman that was hired that replaced the foreman I had. I really liked the foreman we had. And this guy's name was Johnny Hernandez. Now, Johnny, right from the start, there was something about me he didn't like. And I don't know if because I was a Christian and he just didn't like Christians, but he, right from the beginning, uh, started to treat me unfairly. Um, and uh, I can remember one time I, I didn't have something finished that should have been finished, and he just cussed me out he had every word in the book. I'm thinking, I've, ne- I've never been spoken to this way before. I've never been treated like this. And he was just really mean with me, and, and he would belittle me. And, and I didn't know what to do, I didn't know how to react. I would go home and I'd think, oh, Lord, this is, I've never been treated like this before. I've, uh, I've not known this kind of disrespect. And so, um, and as, as we were uh, going along, I'll tell you this one story. Uh, he had, as a final finish guy, uh, the production manager said, okay, you cannot move the mobile home outside the factory unless it's completely done. To increase the numbers of production, sometimes it had me move the line, so I had to have our crew out in the yard and finish them out in the yard rather than within the factory. And so, uh, one day, the Johnny comes up to me said, "Move the line." And I, I said, "Sir, the production manager gave us instruction. We're not supposed to move the line until the house is, is complete." So I said, "I said, move it." And I, I said, "Okay, but you know, I." You know, you know we're not supposed to do that, but I will follow your order. So I obeyed, you know, being submissive. I didn't want to go above his authority in that situation. So I said, well, if if he okays it, then, you know, if something's going to come on me, then he'll take the responsibility. That's how it is with authority. And so I moved the line. All my people were upset. We're not finished. And so that means they had to get these air compressors and take it out into the yard, run these air hoses and all this stuff out there. So I moved the line, and at that time, as I move it, take it out and park it in the yard, because that was my job. I had this little tug, see a little tug? Hook it up to the mobile home, pull it out. Although, uh, it's not mobile. Um, you know, They call them something different. They don't like to call them. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, as I came back into the building, the production manager came out of his office and the production officer was on the second story level, had all these windows and he could kind of stand up there and see what's happening in the whole factory. So he comes down and he says, why was that line moved? Was that house finished? He says, no. So he addresses the foreman and then they call me into the meeting and the production manager is saying, okay, why was that line moved? I gave strict instructions not to do that. And then Johnny looks at me, said, why did you move the line? And I said, uh, because you told me to? He said, you're lying. I told you no such thing. And that production manager, he chewed me out. I got royal treatment in the negative sense. And so, you know, then all this time, and and I would, sometimes I would be in a room, and he would just come, and he would be over me, just, you know, tearing into me, belittling me, insulting me. I'm saying, well, what is this? What, what do you have against me? And then one morning, um, I had I went in early because I was supposed to stay late, and I didn't want to stay late. I said I'll slip in there early and finish up a job that I had to do. And so I slip in early, and he is waiting in the mobile home, like this was supposed to be done last night. I says I know, sir, but I thought I'd come in early and take care of it this morning. So that's it. You're fired you're firing me?" And then I just said to him, well, sir, I have to tell you something, I have to back up. Um, well, yeah, this they fired me. And so then I'm thinking, okay, I, this is a Friday, and all through the day I'm thinking, okay, what i am gonna do? I gotta find another job, Da-da-da. I was gonna finish off this day, get my severance pay. So it was payday, so I got one check, I didn't have my severance check, so I go up to the production office, and, and Johnny's sitting there smoking a cigarette, and you know, sitting back, he looks at me, what are you doing up here? I said, um, I didn't get my severance check. Just get out of here. I'll see you Monday. And I said, Does that mean I'm not fired? I said, get out of here, see you Monday. Okay, out. I said, Well, praise God, I got my job. You know, but I went home after that and I, I had to tell the Lord, Lord, I have to be honest with you, I hate this man. And and you know, it was it was something because I knew it was wrong to hate. But I had these feelings of hatred, bitterness, resentment. I couldn't stand him. You know, I would think of things that, bad things that would happen to him. Oh, Lord, let this happen to him. And Lord, fire from heaven, come on, whatever. Let him get run over by a semi. Lord, something, get, take care of this guy. But I got on my face before God. And I acknowledged, Lord, I can't deal with this. And I asked the Lord to give me his love for Johnny. So that I could see him through God's eyes. And something happened in my heart. In that moment, God supernaturally gave me his love for Johnny. The bitterness, the resentment for anything he'd done to me, it just kind of went away. The very next morning, you know, I see Johnny, facing him every day. I look so forward to that. There's Johnny. I looked at him, and this time, I wasn't full of bitterness, resentment, or hatred. I looked at him, and I saw him with the love of Jesus. And, and I didn't plan on saying this, but these words came out of my mouth, because he cursed me right away. You lot of no good for nothing. And I said, Johnny, I love you. I'm praying for you, and God's going to promote you. Oh, he went off. Oh, did he go off? You don't love me. You're perfect all along. You know? And so, day after day, every time he come, those were the three things I said Johnny, I love you. I'm praying for you, and God's going to promote you. You know, he, he came around less and less to really antagonize me. But something happened. He was promoted to production manager over the whole plant. Now, when that happened, something happened in his heart because he heard me say time and time again, Johnny, I love you. I'm praying for you. God's going to promote you. Well, he got promoted. After that, he became my friend. And I actually had the opportunity to share the gospel with him go into his home. He invited me to his home. And I began to build a relationship during the time that I knew him because then I had left and moved back to Wisconsin. I don't know that he had accepted Jesus, but I, I believe today that he is a believer because some, God sent somebody else across this pathway. But in that experience with Johnny Hernandez, I learned the power of forgiveness, that I didn't have to be under this oppression this hurt, this anguish. But the love of God was greater than any offense. Real quickly, I want to share with you uh, a number of years ago, there were two women that were in love with one man. And they all three ended up in the counseling office, my office. One of these women was pregnant with his child. But he was in love with the other woman. And so, you know, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. Okay, I'm saying, and at the time, I wasn't even married yet. Okay, God, what counsel can I give? And, and the only thing I could think of, because of the hatred, the words that were being shared in, in just that room, I was trying to contain it. I said, we need to forgive each other. And I saw a miracle happen before my eyes because uh, with these two women, they... I got them to the point of praying as I shared from the word of God on forgiveness. They prayed and they forgave each other. But the one woman was saying, I can't forgive, I just can't forgive her. I can't, the the pregnant one, I can't forgive her. What she's done to me, she took my boyfriend, da-da-da-da. But she finally prayed and she said the words, I forgive you. And as soon as she said that, she just went, ah! she realized the pain, the hurt, the anguish all lifted and she began to laugh. She was filled with joy. She was filled with God's peace. A miracle took place and I saw before my eyes the power of God's forgiveness when she released forgiveness towards that woman. Another quick story. Next door neighbor, Clarence Bernhagen. Probably shouldn't have said his name. He's he's in heaven now. But he died a bitter, broken man. He was under the belief that his neighbor shot his dog. His dog was his best friend. He never married. He was, his dog was like his best friend. And talking to the neighbor, the neighbor said, no, I didn't shoot the dog. I mean, I kind of, even back then as a, a young boy, I tried to be a counselor, you know, trying to bring peace to this conflict. And I can remember seeing Clarence's life change where he became a bitter man over that in, uh, situation where well, he had no more joy in his life. He was struggling with just so many things. And, you know, I don't, he never reconciled that issue with unforgiveness, and I witnessed his life deteriorate. Forgiveness can be a hard thing. That's why we need God's help. If you're easily offended, you need to learn to forgive. You need to learn to utter forgiveness. You can't afford to hold on to offense. Offense will either be a tombstone or your stepping stone for growth. We grow by dealing with offense. Forgiveness is not based on a feeling, but a quality decision to forgive. You might say, I don't feel like I can do it. No, it's not a feeling. It's a decision. It's a choice. And once you make that choice, the feelings will come into proper alignment. The greatest expression of love, as I said earlier, is the ability to forgive an offense. Um, I want to share a couple more things. The worship team will come up here and about three to five minutes. But the Lord's Prayer, and and something I've learned from the Lord's Prayer, is to choose each day to walk in the love of God. And that means each day I need to choose to release every offense and every offender, so that even when offense comes, I'm already positioned and poised to release that offense. Matthew 6, 12, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Matthew six twelve, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven, past tense, those who sin against us. See, in a sense, your forgiveness is conditional upon you forgiving others. We forgive because God forgave us. We forgive, otherwise resentment will become a self torch in our life. We forgive because we need forgiveness every day. We forgive because it's a commandment. We forgive because we have the capacity to forgive because we're born of God. See, as a family at Refuge that always forgives, what does that mean for us as a church? It means that we'll see beyond the offenses. It means that we refuse to take offense because it's so easy to be, offense, be offended, but don't take offense. It means that we guard our hearts from bitterness, resentment, envy, and strife. We endeavor to get along. It's worth whatever it takes. It's understanding that forgiveness is an act of strength. It means that we will not only receive forgiveness, but we will release forgiveness. You have to be willing to forgive yourself. Matthew 6.15 says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. That's serious, folks. That's serious, folks. Worship team, come on up. We see the story in Matthew 18. Jesus is talking about forgiveness. Peter comes up to him in verse 21 and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him, up to seven times. And I'm I'm sure Peter was looking for a pat on the back. Peter was thinking, that's pretty good. You know, seven times? See, if Harold offends me seven times and And I forgive him seven times, that's pretty good, isn't it? Well, not according to Jesus. Let's read on and see what it says. Verse 22, Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. If If you can bring that up, if we have that slide, 70 times seven. He wasn't limiting it to 390. Think about it, 390 times in one day. He was just saying, you just continue to forgive. It's God's ocean of forgiveness doesn't ever run dry. At the end, then Jesus goes into this parable. He talks about this master who had this servant that owed him him a debt he couldn't pay. And the master was moved by compassion for this man, so he forgave him the entire debt. But the servant went out to a fellow servant who owed him just like a a small amount, and he demanded, you pay me what you owe. And he didn't. He said, please have mercy with me. I'll get it to you. No, he had a guy thrown in prison and everything. The master hears about it and said, I forgave you a debt you couldn't pay. You should have forgiven your fellow servant, but you didn't. And so in verse 34 of Matthew 18, verse 34 says, And his master was angry and delivered him up to the tormentors until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. You know, you might say, well, It's sin that keeps us out of heaven. Well, unforgiveness could keep you out of heaven too. C.S. Lewis wrote, he says, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Beverly Flanagan wrote, once forgiveness begins, dreams can be rebuilt. How many dreams have been destroyed because of unforgiveness? Lewis B. Smedes wrote, when we genuinely forgive, we set a prisoner free and then discover that the prisoner we set free was us. Mark 11, 25 and 26, it says, when you stand praying, If you have anything against anyone, this is a serious verse, folks, forgive him. As your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Unforgiveness is the number one reason why we don't receive from God or get answers to prayer. Forgiveness is an unnatural act. It's, it's supernatural. It's the greatest gift we can receive. It's the greatest gift we can give. Forgiveness may not be easy, but it's necessary if we're going to live this life in Christ. In Colossians 1.14, and this is for every one of us, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. See, Jesus laying down his own life for our sins is the truest example of how we should forgive others. And the reward of forgiveness is great. Jesus forgave from the cross. You need to forgive from where you are. And I want to extend to you an opportunity to receive Jesus as the Lord of your life. Maybe you have gone to church. Maybe you believe in God. But have you really accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you really received his forgiveness for your sins? And you know it? See, I believe you can know that you've been forgiven. When you receive Jesus, your Lord and Savior, you can know that you've been forgiven. You can understand and have that revelation. And then you can also know that you can forgive others and release them and not carry the pain and the hurt of, of what they've done to wrong you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know that. If I were to die today, that my life is right with God. I want to pray for you. And at the end of the service, when we dismiss, there'll be a prayer team up here. And they're going to be available to pray for anybody that needs prayer for anything. And I want to encourage you, don't ever feel ashamed to step to the front to receive prayer. If you need prayer, God's going to meet you. He's going to help you, and we want to be a part of of the miracle that God's going to do in your life. We have some very godly men and women of God that would pray for you without judging you, without condemning you. And then secondly, we want to talk about this area of unforgiveness. Maybe there's somebody that you haven't forgiven. Maybe you've been through a divorce and it's a former spouse. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a boss, like I had a Johnny. Whoever it is, do not hang on to that unforgiveness. Do not hold that resentment. Do not hold that offense. Let it go. Forgive release the greatest redemptive stories that we'll ever hear or even read about are stories of forgiveness and to see the outcome of what happens when we forgive and when we receive forgiveness. You might say, well, I will forgive them when they ask me to forgive them. No, it doesn't work that way. Whether they ask or whether they even deserve it, No, you forgive them. But see, sometimes we say, well, if I forgive them, then I have to trust them. No, trust is something different. We set that aside because to trust somebody, they have to prove themselves trustworthy. So just because you forgive, that doesn't mean you automatically have to trust them and say, okay, you know, here, you're back in my life. They may not be back in your life right away, but when forgiveness runs its course, the relationship will be restored. I promise you that. Let's bow our heads today. If you're here and you say, I I know I'm carrying and harboring unforgiveness in my heart, and, and I acknowledge the fact that this has been eating me up, it's a destructive force in my life, this unforgiveness, this hatred, this animosity, this resentment, it's tearing me up inside. <coughs> and I don't know how to get rid of it. It's through forgiveness. If you're here and you say, Pastor, pray for me. Lift your hand. If you're dealing with unforgiveness right now, if you're dealing with, with, with ever, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. There's unforgiveness. A slip of your hand. You can slip it up quick and put it down because I'm going to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. God's going to meet you today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the name of Jesus. I thank you for the love of God that was shed abroad in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Father for your power that's demonstrated through forgiveness as we make a decisive decision. As an act of our will, we choose to forgive the offender. Now, repeat after me, and I'm going to lead you in this prayer Heavenly Father, I come before you and I acknowledge that I've been carrying offense. I choose as an act of my will to forgive. no longer hold resentment to no longer hold bitterness but to release that one and to release those who have offended me I will carry it no longer I release them to you in Jesus name thanks for listening to the refuge podcast for more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free visit us online at wearefuge.net.